On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Jeb. Hi, Tara. Hey. Hello. How are you doing? Welcome, Don of the Buffalo. Thank As you. opposed to Dawn of the Buffalo. As opposed. Not directly yes. opposed, right. but as... In yes, place of. In place yeah. of. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you got that question millions of times over, over the years. Many, many times. It's yes. one of our yeah. favorite, and we've even developed two separate stories about okay. what happened, so... Yeah. Is there... Is there what's, the, them, what's the most fun story? Neither terribly interesting. <laughs> They're not. I think it's because it's such a strange name, so people are like... People are curious. Where do you get that name? Because yeah. it's not your average name, you know? But, yeah, you, but I mean, you sort of got, it was sort of a friend, right? That just sort of... Maybe we should leave it a mystery on this, I think in, on this so. interview. Let's leave it out there in the ether Let's for people to wonder about. Let's leave it a mystery on this broadcast. There was one. <laughs> there was one involved. But you, you guys are best friends, right? So you met Sometimes. at a... At a fiddle convention. How are we doing or? today? Are we friends today? Depends how this interview goes, I guess. No, no, we're good. I would, I would we met, uh, yeah, we met playing um, old-time fiddle. We both play mm-hmm. old-time traditional... Southern style fiddle, and we met going to the festivals in the South. Um, we met Jeb and a bunch of his brothers and a bunch of my friends. We all met each other, and, and you're from upstate uh, New York originally, and the Jeb same is, town. Or? Oh, Jeb yep. is from the Isca area, Brooktondale, more to be Brooktondale. Brooktondale, and I'm from downstate. I'm from downstate, um, downstate New York, Rockland County. But we met, like, you know, playing music out there on the, the road, so to, you know. Our, our area is a hotbed for some of this old-time fiddle music, or was it, you know, in the, in the 70s, whatever, mm. when I was growing up. In, were were in you the, both fiddle players to start off? I mean, you're, bo- you're multi-instrumentalist yeah. at this point, but no, what I was st- your first instrument? Fiddle. Fiddle. Yeah. Which is my first instrument. Oh, really? Yeah. And when I, I'm trying to learn guitar, which is seems really hard to me. So am I. Violin, I'm also trying to learn guitar. <laughs> I think you're doing better at it than I am, <laughs> yeah. but I'll just just put that out there. Um, but did you pick up these instruments along the way, or when you got together, were were you already all both? We already played. I mean, we already both. You know, there are these festivals, these old time festivals like Mount Airy, North Carolina, Galax, Virginia. And um, like Jeb said, where he was around the Ithaca area, there are a bunch of string bands up there, Highwood String Band, Correctone String Band. And, you know, and um, so there was sort of a movement, you know, people getting interested in this music that kind of predates bluegrass. Mm-hmm. And we were sort of part of that movement. And we were going to festivals in the South. And, you know, we just all met playing that music. We already played that music. And um, just, you know, it's just been years of, it's a big, community of folks that play that music and um we're just part that of it music. we're part of it and that, that old-time <laughs> that music crazy you know sounding music that, no that old-time music it's great it's the old-time fiddle music that like predates bluegrass it's where bluegrass sort of grew out of you know at this point you have your own sound when how did that develop did you you start off you're writing music both of you write music i understand so um how did that sort of come together for you guys well, well met Tara she was like the first person I ever met that like wrote songs like oh I could hear that on the radio or you know like kind of and then there's some other people that wrote songs um but that was really before I 
ridden any. And then we started playing. We'd have these jam sessions of playing electric music and doing songs and stuff like that. And we slowly learned how to do it. It was kind of exciting. It was very exciting because it's, you know, the old time fiddle music is very energetic, but a lot of times it, it doesn't um, translate as a performance music quite as right. well in certain right. aspects. Like, you know, you get a gig at a wedding or whatever, you stand in the corner and you'd be playing away. And then, you know, once, once people got drunk enough, they sort of got it all of a sudden, you know. And well, then, because old time, or, old time fiddle music really came out of square dancing. You know, it was mainly the right. backup, backup bands for square right. dancing. And people would sit around and play it at home, but they would have square dances in their living rooms and things like that. So, yeah, it's not... Uh, it's but, the kind of music where if you're in it, that's it. You know, you're a little bit... But sometimes it's you know. hard for people to perceive what's going on. So this, you know, trans translated a little more, a wider band of emotional range, you know. And right, also it was, Yeah. Yeah. And it was... And so... When I listen cool. to your music, I hear a lot of different influences at this point, maybe. Maybe not in the beginning when you first got together, but it seems to me that there's there's a little bit of, you know, rock. There's a little bit of bluegrass um, kind of all put together into a, some really cool music that's really kind of fun, very danceable. Yeah. Well, when we were going to those festivals that I mentioned, would we still go to them all the time. Um you know, when you're playing traditional music like that, you go to these festivals, you run into these other traditional musics. And so we were very much a part of a community that played Cajun music and Zydeco music. And at, we were really into African music, traditional music for a while, and, you know, all of that. So it definitely seeps into... Because like Jeb said, we started writing songs, but at first we were playing them on fiddles and banjos. And then I think Jeb got an electric guitar... And I actually was playing rhythm on a plate with like a chopstick, you know. Like we really morphed into the electric world very slowly, um, but then we did. But we took that whole sensibility from the traditional music world with us. Not, yeah, and not not so much in its form, but more in its attitude. Like we're just kind of like, yeah. There's, there's something about like uh, the that old time music where it's just like everything's in the center, and you, you're kind of like build a pressure in it sort of bubbles out of that you know so that that's kind of that's kind of what makes us sort of sound like we sound yeah we're very much a groove oriented band and the breaks and all of that kind of the solos and all of that have kind of come lately have come later you know we've developed when we first started that was not our natural you know we had the groove and people really enjoyed us but as the years have gone on we've progressed as people who take solos too because in the old time music world you don't so much take solos like you do in bluegrass right. you just kind of ride right. this wave and you just kind of ride this wave together so we're good at riding the wave and now we've gotten better at poking up out of the wave and playing solos you know so going but, rogue yeah so as a fiddle player i know that when i write music i hear the melody first because that's you know the fiddle is a melody instrument right and obviously when i talk to guitar players a lot of times they're just hearing a chord progression and then they're coming up with a melody on top of that. I'm just curious because you guys are multi-instrumentalists. What happens first for you? It all happens second for me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the lyrics um, are first? You know, I don't know. It comes in, comes in yeah. different different waves. You know, definitely guitar is more, yeah, is more um, conducive to patterns. You know, mm -hmm. you get a certain pattern and you start messing around with the chord and then you you kind of hear a melody 
folk out of that. But you know the chords. But, you're thinking chords too because you're playing guitar, right? Yeah. Like when you play fiddle tune, I don't. I don't think so much chords playing a no, fiddle tune. No, you just like you drive think melody. The, you drive, know, you drive the tune. But yeah, so it's kind so of a little So do you both. do you write individually? Write together? How does that work? Separately, so far. Mm-hmm. It's only been what? How many years? We've read separately so far. We've always, I don't know, we talk, we do so much together, it's probably good that we at least don't write together. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's sort of, I mean, strangely enough, we're, uh, even though we're in this, whatever I was about to call it a business, was that's a little trite. But, band. Um, band. <laughs> band. In this lifestyle of, of, you know, performing and whatnot, but I was, both of us are actually fairly shy when it comes down to it, and, and you, writing a song is fairly ridiculous until the song is written that you know you're kind of like are you shy me i didn't know you were shy oh, that's Lord really interesting are you <laughs> i am very shy you obviously pull it off on stage though so yeah there must be something deep inside of you that wants to be out there i've only recently started talking on stage i talked a little bit today but normally over the years jeb does all the talking but recently i've like people in the band are like why aren't you talking and so i finally decided to get brave and now I enjoy it but it took a while so yeah it's a late bloomer <laughs> <laughs> okay tell me about the herd I, I want to know about the herd the herd is a, is just kind of a another entity that's um you know similar to the band Donna Buffalo there's no Donna and there's no Buffalo you know but in the, the herd is uh you know you don't have to pay any dues or do any particular thing, but it's just kind of like there's group, fans. groups of people. It's the name of our fan base. And, yeah, they come and and it sort of started where you know various people would use trips that we went on as a destination for them to go have fun. And you know people like to travel, and it's nice to have a a reason to travel. And so they would follow us for you know four or five jam gigs band. in a row. You know, yeah, and this is similar to that. You know, the Grateful Dead type of you know. Well, they, I mean, there's a lot of bands would kill for a following like that. Yeah, no, so. we're yeah. Ex- that's the thing is we're, we ex- we're extremely fortunate. No. We're extremely fortunate because they're a self-organized group of people that just started out. And it started with two people that came to a gig and they didn't know each other. And they met at the gig and they talked. And in the course of their conversation, they said, are you going to that next gig? Yes, let's meet at the soundboard. And they did, and it just started with that. And it just started with people coming and meeting. And it's a very social group. Um, they've Over the years, they've had something called the Herd Charity, where towns that we play in, they come and they auction things off, and they'll donate it to, say, a charity here in Memphis or that. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, no, it's yeah. a very active group. Um, we're very fortunate that it's built over the years. We've made a lot of friends. That's how we got this new bus. We did a GoFundMe. This is just... Barely two years ago, we did a GoFundMe, and we raised $90,000 in three weeks to buy a new bus. That has to feel really gratifying to know you've been working so hard and putting out this music for so many years, and that the fans are returning that love back. Yeah, after, after so many so. years. Yeah, very fortunate. So many amazing musicians, you know, are out there, and, and they, you know, they have some fans, but they don't really have that, whatever you want to call that specific, like, organized kind of... Kind of a movement, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Kind of a movement. Well, and you guys, I know you're into a number of social causes. I mean, they're important to you. And you guys started a festival a number of years ago, the Finger Lakes uh, Grassroots, Grassroots Festival, festival. Yeah. which I, I think is, uh, 
amazing for, for what it accomplishes every year. I know that there are a number of uh, educational causes, um, HIV AIDS, there's mm. been a number of um, causes that the festival has helped. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, this coming up, it's mm -hmm. 18th through the 22nd, I believe, in July, mm -hmm. and this will be our 29th uh, grassroots festival. And um, one of the reasons kind of got it started was that we grew up in this uh, festival scene that we admired so much, and then we started playing this kind of music. And at that point, all the festivals were very segmented. There would be a bluegrass festival, old time festival, or Cajun, you know, exotico. So we kind of thought we might have to put one on to be able to play at it. But thankfully, right at that time, there was there was a uh, great expansion of what was considered acceptable to have various different musics at the same festival. And so that was one one of the reasons. And then that the kind of musical camaraderie become, between bands, you know, was the, the very first event we put on was this AIDS benefit. And we kind of got the bands in town. We kind of wanted to do that. And then we picked a beneficiary. So we knew some people that worked over there. And that was, shoot, 1990 or whatever, which was, as you know, AIDS was a different. Right. Uh, it's amazing what's happened in the last 20 yeah. years, 30 yeah. years, uh, to um, prolong the life of people who yeah, are diagnosed with HIV. Yeah. Um, but it's really a testament to a lot of uh, a lot of folks that really um, put it out there as their cause. Yeah. And all the research that was done. It was not yeah. a very popular cause to. Uh, no, to not in the beginning. At that point, you know. And well, kudos the, to you guys for for yeah. putting it out there yeah. so early yeah, on. Our, it's uh, kind of evolved into. Town is a pretty progressive town, I suppose. Ithaca's, it's on the progressive map with several other towns or whatever. But so. We had been going to festivals for years, and we had our favorites. And we kind of felt like we had our, the ingredients of what we liked, what we didn't like, how, you know, and so we sort of thought, well, do one like ourselves. Put your own stamp and, on it. And, yeah. yeah, make it the way we, you know, like it, you know, whatever. And now it's also, but now it's uh, also yeah, for arts education and yeah. um, arts and education. Yeah. yeah. Well, we do it like roots in schools and stuff like that. And then we went out and started other festivals we got two in North Carolina, then we started one in Florida. There's a Shakori Hills Grassroots so Festival in North Carolina. It's actually, we got to drive to it as soon as yeah, we're, we're done with we're this interview. there this weekend. <laughs> it happens twice a year in uh, Silk Hope, North Carolina, Shakori Hills Grassroots. But yeah. Make sure you keep in touch with us about that. We'll we'll tell everybody we know. Yeah, we, we definitely will. It's, yeah. And also, y'all should come up to the Finger Lakes Grassroots Festival. Yeah, we would love to. We'd love to. Love to cover festival. that up there. Um, so, Dance in the Streets. That's the the latest album. Yeah. And uh, you played yeah. uh, the title track from that today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, great, great tune. Um, Thank you. Where did you record it? Recorded in El Paso at a place called Sonic Ranch. Outside of El Paso, yeah, on a 3,500-acre 3, pecan plantation. I, maybe it's a grove, 
pecan grove. Or pecan, but as they say. Or pecan, <laughs> or pecan. pecan yeah. It was right on the Mexican border. You could walk on the property to the border. It was pretty wild. Oh, so was the setting kids. inspiring just to be there? Yeah. I, I, I thought it was very so. inspiring. Very inspiring, yeah. Because yeah. it, cool. it kind of had this industrial feel, and which was kind of my bag, you know. Like, I'm a pretty poor vacationer, mm-hmm. you know. I get bored, you know. And, but there was all this work going on, which I thought was cool. And then it just was very foreign, too. It's beautiful. Know, it was really beautiful. beautiful. Very different. Yeah, very different. How did you pick it? Producer. The producer? The producer. Who was? Rob, Rob Raboni. Who was the? He he did the recording for the movie The Last Waltz, and so he, he sought him you out. You can talk a long time about his, you know, he knows his every, long list you can't, of you can't involvement. You can't say yes. anyone's name without him. him like, oh, him. I know him, you know. Oh, we used to. Yeah, yeah. So. Even the person who invented the Caesar salad dressing. I mean, everyone. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> he learned the Caesar salad dressing recipe from uh, Caesar Gardini's daughter. You know, so this is he's just merciless. At first, you just think he's a merciless name dropper. You know, but it's, it's kind of it's not name dropping if you actually that, know the people, it's right? True. <laughs> it's, it's his yeah. life, and we're like, just write your book, Rob. Just write the book. Come on. <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. so what did he bring to the to the table? Because a lot of people who aren't in music don't really understand the role of the engineer and how important they can be for a recording. Right, so true. I, I kind of look at it like uh, you, you got a bunch of ideas that float in the room, and the good ones you try to keep in the room, and the bad ones you try to, like, let out the window. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so he's guiding you through that process yeah, a little bit. Can, bounce ideas off them and and similar to this i mean there's there's no live audience here right but you you need feedback from someone and maybe also for us as a as a band that basically plays live all the time i don't i don't know if we're the best audience for ourselves necessarily and Mm -hmm. i think there's certain i I think there's certain bands that maybe do a little bit better job than uh, so kind of keeping it rolling and keep keep it fascinating. But I think it's part of, part of that shy thing or, or whatever. That, I think um, he understood. Like, I think he understood. Like, a lot of producers we've worked with, they sort of try to shape you mm-hmm. into something and perfect this or that. But I feel like Rob just, um, he just always really liked the band. So he kind of got us, you know, so he got something about That's us. Important. And, yeah. yeah, and I think he was able to bring that out in the recording to a degree, you know. So I think that's a big plus right there. How much do you tour each year? A lot right now because of the new record. But it feels like all the time lately, but uh, 100-something dates. But that's, you know, some of them are... 115, 125 gigs a year. It's a lot because it's getting there, getting back, and then some of those gigs are four-day festivals. and So it feels pretty a lot, you know. Much well, time. we're really happy that you were able to stop by the studio today. Yeah. You're an amazing band. Thank you. Um, love your music. Uh, I would encourage anyone who's out there to come see you live. Uh, we we're big proponents yeah, of, so of live music, but uh, have a lot of respect for anyone who plays more than one instrument and does it well and writes music and all those things. So really appreciate you stopping by and Hopefully we can keep in touch and yeah. you can come back when you put out your next album. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank so you so much. We really, really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.